0: All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. It's page 1137 in the Pew Bible in front of you, if you need a Bible. Romans chapter 12. We are about halfway through our series that we've called Gifted, walking in what we've been given, looking at the spiritual gifts, which the Bible says every believer has. And realistically, every believer probably has several of them. Uh, And hopefully, as we go through this series, you are learning more and more about what that looks like First uh, John two twenty says, "You have an anointing from the Holy One." That's been our key verse that we started in week one and have been hitting on each week since. That uh, the Bible talks about anointing as when the Holy Spirit comes into us and moves through us. When God anoints us, He gifts us and calls us for a purpose. And so, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have an anointing from God. There is a way in which God has gifted you and wired you in order that you would glorify His name, that you would help spread the gospel, and that you would bless and encourage your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so all of these gifts are laid out uh, throughout the Bible, and we're looking at different gifts each week. You might not hear your gift on any given week. Uh, We might be talking about different gifts than what you have, but that's okay too, because uh, if you have a gift, then you'll get to hear about how you're wired. But if you don't have a gift, you still need to know what it is and how it works so that you know where you need to lean on other people. Jesus was the only one who had all the gifts, and he's taken those gifts and spread them amongst all of us. And so there are things that we can walk in where we are a blessing to others, and then there are gifts that we just don't have, but we need to lean on others in those moments, just like they need to lean on us in our gifting. So I'm going to show you a short video, uh, and it was, it was a pretty long video. We cut it down But it's done by a church in the States, and they were doing a series on spiritual gifts. And so they put this video together where they just asked a bunch of their people, what is your spiritual gift, and how is that gift expressing itself? So take a look. So that, that video went on more, but you got the gist of it, right? Here's my gift, and here's how it's expressing itself. And I was talking to someone after the first service, and we were actually talking about sometimes when we don't know what our gift is, those people all had an idea, right? My gift is faith, my gift is encouragement, my gift is leadership. And then they flip the card over to say this is how that gift is expressing itself. Sometimes a way that we can find our gifts is we're not sure, is actually to consider the second flip of the card. What am I actually doing? What am I involved in? And what does that maybe speak about what my gifts are? What have I naturally been drawn to as I serve in different ways in the church? And that can be a way that we can discover it as well. But there's several different lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible, and today we're going to look at a list that's sometimes called the motivational gifts. The Bible doesn't call it that. That's something that that, we, that church has come up with over time, uh, just because there's several different lists of gifts, and just to keep them straight and to make sure we're not mixing them up, uh, people gave titles to them over the years. So these are sometimes called the motivational gifts. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is that these gifts are all very wired towards motivating, blessing, encouraging other people. Uh, so they're great motivators when we walk in these gifts. They help other people, they spur them along, uh, they fill them with faith, they fill them with hope, they, they provide. There's just so many good things that come out of these gifts that are motivating to other people. But there's another side of this, which is that these gifts also uh, speak to the motivation of whoever has them. There's something about these gifts that seems a little more hardwired into who we are. It's not a gift that we put on sometimes. These gifts are a bit more uh, expressive of our personalities and our character, and so it speaks to something of the motivation of our lives. And so we're going to talk about leadership today. Uh, If you have a leadership gift, it's not just something you put on sometimes. People who are leaders tend to just be leaders kind of everywhere in their life. We're going to talk about encouragement today, and encouragement isn't something that you just step into from time to time. If you're an encourager, you're an encourager always. That's just part of who you are. And so these gifts are motivators for other people when we walk in them, which is hugely important, but they also speak to something of the motivation of our own lives. These aren't just something that we do. These gifts really are something that we are. It's been said that everybody has one of the gifts that we are gonna look at today. We're gonna look at several. It's been said everybody has one of this particular gift list. I don't know that that's universally true, but certainly, generally, I found it to be very true. So we can all be listening today Uh, As we go through, we'll take a few minutes to go on each one, and as we're listening, uh, does this sound like me? Does this sound like something that I do? And not just, is this my gift, but the flip of the card as well. Where is this gift expressing itself in my life, in my church, in my ministry, even outside of church as well? So let's take a look at our text today. We're in Romans chapter 12, page 1137 in the Pew Bible, and we're starting in verse 3. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there are a bunch of gifts listed there. Some of them we've touched on already, and we'll take a few minutes with each one today. There's a lot of good stuff in that passage that we're not going to touch on today, but it may be something worth going back to this week. This idea that don't think of yourself as more important than you ought, right? No... Your place. Know the humility with which you were saved by Jesus. Any gift that we have isn't really our gift. It comes to us as a blessing from God. And because it's a blessing from God, we can't take credit for it. We can't get a big head over it. We are gifted by God to do certain things, and not everybody has all the gifts. So whatever gift you have, even if it's amazing, you don't have the gift that your neighbor has, and you need their gift just like they need your gift. And this picture of the body that we've talked about over and over and over again, that a church is like a human body. Lots of different body parts, lots of different organs and cells, lots of different appendages and muscles and ligaments and bones. All of them are critically important. Not all of them are the same. They all do something different, and we need that difference. We need that diversity. And so part of our heart in doing this series is that all of us would kind of find our spot, where what lane should we be driving in, or, or maybe even a couple of lanes or a few lanes. But where are we gifted, so that we can be in that place that God has wired us to be? And then where we're not gifted, we know enough about the gifts to know where we need to lean on others who have those gifts that we don't have. And so again, these are the motivational gifts: prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. And uh, again, these are a bit more hardwired, it seems, into who we are. These things really seem to dominate how we live our lives, and say something about our our personality and our character. So you wouldn't typically look at giftedness and say, uh, well, you know, that person's a real tongue speaker. They speak in tongues. You wouldn't really define a person that way necessarily, but you might talk about them in the sense of that person is a real servant. Like, that word just defines something about who they are. You might not say, well, this person, you know, in their character personality is a real apostle, but you might say, well, that person is, is really generous. They're a real giver. And so these ones seem to be a little bit different than some of the other gifts, in the sense of they do seem to be a bit more deep and a bit more in tune with who we are and how we live our lives. Uh, They don't just show up as a spiritual gift that we do when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. These are a bit more uh, an expression of who we are and how God has wired us. So we'll take a few minutes to go through each one. So prophesying is first. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and comfort. And we've talked about this one a lot. Our simple definition of the prophetic is determining what the Lord is saying and sharing it. There's more to it than that, but just keeping it at its most basic level, prophesying is determining what the Lord is saying and sharing it. So we took a week just to talk about this one gift, because this one gift shows up over and over again in these lists of gifts that we're going through in this series. So we thought it was important. It's the one that gets repeated the most, and there's a lot to it. So we took a Sunday just to talk about prophesying. How does God speak? How do we know if it's God or not? How do we stay safe? Uh, from, from following something that sounds like God but isn't. We unpacked all of that together, and so we won't say too much more about that today. But we are all called to hear God's voice. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You have the ability to discern and determine what he is saying. But there are some among us that do this just at a higher level. Uh, they, are, they are more in tuned. They have practiced and developed the gift to the point where they've just gotten really good at hearing from God. And if we don't have that gift, we need people like that in our lives to help us discern, to help us hear from God. And so for those of us who are gifted this way, uh, it's important. It's an important gift to the church because we need to hear what God is saying. As a church, we want to be walking in the will of God. We want to be walking in step with the Spirit. And so there's a lot of different ways that this gift can show up and, and God can speak through uh, the still small voice, or through dreams and visions, or through people in lots of different ways. Uh, A story I was thinking of this week is uh, Terry Bone, who was here back in September, uh, was one of my mentors. He was my pastor for a lot of years. And many, many years ago, uh, he was pastoring at a church, and it was not going overly well. It was a rough church, and there was a lot of dysfunction, and a lot of pain, and and they were broke, and there was just a lot going wrong. And Terry uh, had three dreams one night, all in a row. Bam, bam, bam. And God can speak through dreams, we know from the Bible, and that's not to say he often does. I think most of our dreams are not from God, probably, but he can speak through dreams, obviously, scripturally. And so he had three dreams in a row, and they were all very vivid, and they were all very profound. And the first dream, God spoke to him something about the church that the church really needed to hear. The second dream, God spoke to him something for him, something personal that was very deep and profound and important. And then the third dream was that he walked into the church sanctuary, and one of the board members of the church was walking around the sanctuary with no shirt on. So he has these three dreams in a row, and he wakes up and he says, I don't know about that last one, but that felt very strange, to have three dreams in a row, and they all were very vivid and profound. He says, I need to go and pray about this right away, because it feels like God's speaking to the church. It feels like God is speaking to me. And so he went to the church to pray, and it was like five in the morning. It was in the summertime. And as he walked into the sanctuary, the board member was walking around with his shirt off in the middle of the sanctuary. So that's not something you see every day, right? If you walked in here and Jake Tigrob was walking around shirtless, you would go, I wonder what's happening right now. And so the board member saw him and went, huh, and was horribly embarrassed and ran and got a shirt on. Terry says, What are you doing? Why are you walking around shirtless? And the board member said, I'm sorry. Like the, the particular board member was also on the building committee. And he said, I came in early. I was changing the light bulbs up in the chandelier. And so I was up in the ceiling on the big ladder, and, and it was just hot and no one was around. So I took my, I didn't think anyone was gonna walk in at five in the I'm so sorry. I was horribly embarrassed. And Terry said, No, listen, listen to what just happened to me tonight. I had this dream about the church, I had this dream about myself, and then I had a dream that I saw you in the sanctuary walking around like God is saying something right now. God is speaking. And so they sat and they prayed into that, and it was stuff that Sherry eventually shared with the church of here's this dream, here is this confirmation, and that's all that last part was. The it's just There's no way you just kind of make up the fact that a board member is walking around, right? You don't just come up with that in your own brain. That's a very strange thing to think of and an even stranger thing to see in person. But God was just confirmed that the first two dreams were from him as well. Uh, it was just a, an amazing confirmation, and the church was tremendously blessed as these revelations came out. So this is an important gift. We want to be hearing from God. And if you're wired prophetically, we want to be hearing from you. And, and we learn how to develop the gift and, and learn how to weed out what is good and what is not. And, uh, you know, for those of us who, are, who have the gift, who are prophetic, not everybody has it, but again, it seems to be a bit more uh, wired into who we are. Because the prophetic gift is all about what's the Lord saying. And for people who are prophetic, that's all that matters to them in life. It's the most important thing, to be in the presence of God, to sense the presence of God, to hear his voice, to be in step. In the Middle Ages, uh, there was a, a group of people that were called mystics. And we've taken the word mystic in our time, and it usually when we say mystic, you're usually thinking of New age type stuff. But mystic was a Christian word long before it was a New Age word. And the mystics, that's what they were. They were a group of believers who were devoted to God, and they were hungry for His presence, and they were hungry to hear His voice. They were well-grounded in the love of God. Uh, and by that definition, there's people here who are mystics. Like, that—that that is what wires—that's how you're wired, and that's what drives your life as well. And so this gift is not just something we turn on and off in the same way. It, it really motivates our life if we are prophetic. I need to hear God's voice. I need to be in His presence. I I need to feel His love. I need to feel His nearness. And so uh, it's an amazing blessing to have people like that in our midst who are walking in that way. Serving is maybe a bit more down-to-earth for us. Galatians 5.13 says, Serve one another humbly in love. That's a verse for all of us. That's not just for a certain group of people who are gifted this way. But that being said, just like the other gifts, we're all called to serve, but for some of us, we just do this at a whole other level. Those of us who are servant gifted, this is something that really drives our life. And so when we talk about serving, what we're really talking about in its basic form is helping others in practical ways. Uh, In some versions, it might say the gift of helps, uh, or not just the gift of serving, but the gift of helps. So helping others in practical ways. Where there is a need, servant-hearted people want to be there to help meet that need. Typically, they are not looking for the spotlight. Typically, they are very happy to be behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we try to acknowledge and thank people sometimes publicly. And when I say, hey, you know what? We got a great deacon team here. They're fantastic. They always say, you don't need to do that. Like, we're <laughs> we're doing our job. We're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it for people. We don't need the acknowledgement. And so the servant-hearted people are, are there when there's a need. They're the ones... Uh, you know, when there's a problem, when there's a crisis, they are there with food, they are there with support, they are there just to help out in different ways. In our church, um, we have people who drive people to appointments who can't drive themselves, we have people who go visiting, uh, people who are shut in, and there's just a lot of different ways that this particular gift can show up. And so, a good example, whenever we have a funeral here at the church— uh, there is just a, a rush of servant-hearted people into that need. When there's a family that's hurting, when there are people grieving, there are people who just kind of rush in, and they, they put on a funeral lunch, and they cook food, and they bring food to the the family that's lost somebody, and they set up chairs, and they send cards, and just wherever there's a practical need, servants want to be there to help. And it's not just something, again, that they turn on. It is something that is wired into who they are. Servant-hearted people are servant-hearted. It's not just a gift that they engage with. It's something about who they are. So just a word of of caution uh, for those of us who are are servant-gifted, if this is us, uh, there's just a couple things we just want to be wary of. And one of them is that uh, sometimes servant-hearted people have a really hard time saying no. Uh, because they're always there, they're the ones, they get called on a lot. If I was moving today, I know who I'd call, right, who's going to be there with a the truck there to help me out because uh, they're always ready to go. They're always happy to help. They're always there to serve practically. Um, they sometimes have a hard time saying no, and they sometimes get called on a lot. And so if you're a servant-hearted person, it's just to make sure you have good healthy boundaries. You you need to serve out of the grace that God has given you, obviously. But the world will also turn without you. And and if you can't meet that particular need, other people can as well. So, just to make sure you're keeping some good boundaries in place. And for the rest of us, if serving isn't our main gift, we also want to make sure that we're serving the servants, right? Because they work so hard, and they want to meet needs, and they're very, you know, practically oriented. Um, Sometimes they don't like to ask for help, right? Because they're so geared towards we're the helpers, and we can do this, and we can accomplish it, and they can to an extent. But we all need to be poured into sometimes as well. So one of the things we just want to watch is that if we're uh, servant-hearted, we're learning how to say no and setting boundaries. If this isn't our main gift, we're making sure to serve those who are serving, and we're there to help them meet their needs as well, because everybody needs to be poured into sometimes. Teaching we've talked about a little bit. We talked about it last week, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's just a good—anyone who has a teaching gift loves that verse and uh, gifted by God in order to explain and train and correct and encourage through God's Word. God's Word, the Scriptures— become the tool that teachers use in order to to bless others, to challenge others, to encourage others, to explain, and to train towards righteousness. And so again, we're all called to God's Word. Every one of us is called to engage with God's Word on our own, but there are some of us who just do this at a greater level. There are some of us who are wired in such a way uh, that we understand and can help others understand. And as we talked about last week, for teachers, people with the teaching gift, this shows up lots of different ways. It shows up uh, you know, on Sunday morning, maybe very obviously, but it shows up Uh, as you teach our kids in in Kids Club, as you teach our youth, as you teach your life group, as you teach in lots of different ways. There's lots of room for this gift to show up. There's lots of expressions to it. And so, again, for people who have this gifting, it's a bit more of a lifestyle. People who love God's Word in this way uh, talk about God's Word all the time. We don't just talk about it when you're in teaching mode. It shows up at Tim Hortons. It shows up in conversations around the house. It's important. And while we're all called to God's Word, teachers help the rest of us learn from God's Word and go deeper in God's Word. said a lot more about this one last week, and so if you missed that, you can go back and check that out as well. Encouraging. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. Uh, Just a great verse. Again, as with all these gifts, we are all called to encourage. No one's allowed to be a discourager in the body of Christ. We're specifically not allowed to do that. We are all called to encourage, but there are some people, and you have people like this in your life. Uh, You know there are those that when you're having a bad day, you can just reach out to. You can lean on them and be a part of that. Encouraging is building up others and spurring them on. Uh, And Hebrews uses that language of spurring them on. Like everybody needs a nudge. Everyone needs a cheerleader. It's like when people are running a marathon and there's people at the side of the road holding out cups of water and yelling at them as they go by. And so when you're running and you're exhausted, oh, there's refreshing in the water. There's a boost that comes from people yelling for me and cheering me on. And that's the encouragement gift. And we all need it sometimes. Some of us maybe need it more than others, but everybody needs that sometimes. And so there are people in your life that you would look at and say, well, they're a real encourager. That's just something that comes out of them. They are just natural encouragers. And so if that's you, then man, do we need that, right? Because life is not always easy. And this world is hard, and and we are struggling with sin, and there's an enemy out to get us, and, and just life is difficult. And so we need cheerleaders, every single one of us. And I hope and pray you do have people in your life, whether it's your spouse or, or parents or, or siblings or brothers and sisters in the Lord, that you have somebody who you can go to when you have a bad day. And if you don't, uh, pray and ask, because that's an important gift for all of us. So we all need encouragement. And again, the flip side of that, just like with the serving gift, we need to make sure we're encouraging the encouragers. Because sometimes they're so busy giving out and they're so busy cheering everybody else on that they always seem so positive and hopeful and optimistic that people don't always think about the fact that they actually need encouragement too, because we all do. So my mom is a tremendous encourager. She's a pastor uh, on staff at a church up in the Toronto area. Uh, She's pastoral care. And she's just wonderfully encouraging, and she's just one of those people— I'm not just saying it because she's my mom— uh, she's just wonderfully encouraging, and, and one of those people that every time you talk to, you just walk away feeling like, oh, everything's gonna be all right. Not everything is easy, not everything is good, but everything's gonna be all right. You just leave lighter, and she's just got a great ability to, to stir up hope and stir up faith. And so she works on staff at this church—she's retired, but part-time she works at this church— and, and as she does that, her phone buzzes a lot because other people know that if we talk to Wendy Walker, we're going to feel better, and Wendy's going to help me process this issue, and Wendy's going to make me feel good about my faith, and I'm going to feel stirred up, and I'm going to feel cheered for, and I'm going to feel spurred on. And so her phone buzzes a lot, but it's not usually anyone ever saying, Hey, Wendy, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Right? It's people saying, I've had a terrible day, Blah! and they put all their stuff on her, and she's well-wired to take it. Like, she's gifted to take it and, and turn it around and see the best, and bring hope, and bring encouragement, but, but everybody who has that gift and does that kind of thing also needs encouragement from time to time. It's not great if your phone's buzzing, and it's always about what you can give out for others. So we want to make sure whoever the encouragers are in your life, you are bringing encouragement to them as well and, and taking some time to, to pour back because they don't always ask for it, but everybody needs that sometimes. And so people who are encouraging, again, like all these gifts, it does seem to be a bit more of a lifestyle rather than a gift that they put on. They are encouraging wherever they go. They are just the glass half full, optimistic, you know, Jesus-focused, hopeful, faith-filled people. and uh, We all need that in our lives. And so if that's you, Please let it loose. And if that's not you, uh, pay attention and know who you can go to when you need that. Again, also thinking about how you can encourage them from time to time as well. Giving. 2 Corinthians 9-11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Sometimes this verse gets boiled down to you are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. And, and there's a few different ways this gift can show up. Um, we just mean sharing generously with others at its most basic level. Giving is sharing generously with others. Not always money, necessarily, although money is what Paul's talking about in that passage, but some people are generous with time, some people are generous with their, their home, with their space, generous with sharing a meal. And so there are different ways this shows up. I know a church, uh, this was in England, we had a guest speaker at a previous church once, and he came in and he said, we have this team at our church Um, and they are all just entrepreneurial business types. They either run their own businesses or have started a business, and they're just really gifted by God to to create successful businesses. And so this group gets together in the church, and their job is to generate income for the kingdom. That's what they do. They just sit and they dream, and they make plans, and they're gifted that way. Some of us are gifted that way, and we we are just wired by God to be entrepreneurial and to, to do good things. And so we have that vision and ability to do that. Some of us, God has given uh, a lot extra to, and, and so he's using uh, what he's given us in order to generate income that we can bless others with, and so some of us just out of the abundance of what God has given can bless others generously. But it doesn't necessarily mean we have to be well off to walk in this gifting either because really it's whatever you have you can share generously with. And so some of us, it might be a specific way. We see in the book of Acts that wealthy people come to Jesus, and as that happens, they are funding missionaries, and they are they are really helping uh, support the church practically, financially, and that's needed and necessary. But then there are others as well who maybe don't have a lot extra, but what they have they do share. What they have, uh, their, their table is open for meals, and, and the money that they have, they give. So again, we are all called to give. We believe in tithing. When Sarah and I get paid, the first 10% goes to Jesus right away. We don't even think about it anymore. Uh, Just out of our gratitude to him for all he has given, we give our tithe to him, and we try to give beyond that as well. But as we do that, uh, and we're all called to give in that sense, there are some of us who are just called to do this at a deeper level. And God has actually wired us and given the ability maybe to generate money for the kingdom, maybe to share generously with what we have, maybe to have vision. But again, this is a bit more of a, a lifestyle heart thing. People with the giving gift, they're just generous people. If you looked at them, that would be a character word that you would use to describe them. These people are generous. So last year, I'm in school right now. As, as many of you know, I'm in seminary uh, working on my doctorate. And as I am working away at that, I came to a point last year where tuition was due and I didn't have enough. I just found myself in a place where I was short. And so I was about $3,000 short, and I didn't know where it was going to come from. Um, But we were just praying about it and saying, okay, well, God, I believe you've called me to school in this time, and we have been careful, and we have been saving, and and we just found ourselves in a spot where we were short. And then as Christmas came last year, we got a card, and someone had written us a check for $3,000 to cover the rest of the tuition. I didn't ask them for it. They didn't know about the specificity of that need, but the money was there when we needed it. And so there are people like that. They're generous people, uh, and they have the ability to to bring. You know, when Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians, he says, Your generosity is going to result in praise and thanksgiving to God. So you better believe I was thankful to God when that money came in, and the, the family that did it as well, very much so. But we, you know, part of giving is to understand that whatever we have ultimately comes from Him, it's not just ours. He has entrusted it to us, and in that sense it's ours. But our job, whatever we have, is to share as he leads us to share. As we do that, he gets the glory, and and awesome things happen in the kingdom. Leading. We talked about this a lot last week. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul writes to Timothy, who's one of the, the pastors of a church in Ephesus, and he says, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, And impurity. Set an example. There's many scriptures about leadership, uh, but that's an important part of it, is just to set that example. So we're defining leadership as giving oversight and direction and setting the example for others. As we talked about last week, there are many ways that gift shows up. We sometimes think about leadership in the church as that's what I do, and that's what the elders do, and that's what Pastor Mesh does as our lead pastor, and and leadership is a position like that. And of course, that is leadership. But leadership shows up lots of different ways. In that video we saw where they were flipping the, the, the card over, Leadership can be small group leadership. It can be leading in a ministry. I was talking to someone after the first service, and they said, I think of people in our church who are leaders who don't have any leadership position at all, but they are just amazing examples of what it is to follow Jesus. They are full of faith and full of hope and good character, and and so they set the example. They don't have a formal leadership position, but we look to them to, to inspire us and to uh, to help spur us on. And so we talked last week about the fivefold gifts, which are leadership gifts—the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. You can listen to it online if you missed it. And, and we talked last week, too, not all of these gifts show up the same way, and not everybody has all these gifts. Nobody has all of these gifts. And that's one of the, the hard things we do in leadership, is rather than saying, hey, how does your particular leadership gift show up? We sometimes say, this is what leadership is, and we need you to be all of these things. And so, just yesterday, actually, in my Facebook newsfeed, uh, a church I know is advertising for a lead pastor. And as I'm reading through the job description, <laughs> It's, we need a strong leader with vision who can, you know, lead us in our mission and who can understand church structure and and be able to move us forward as a church. And we also want someone who's really administrative and can organize things really well. And we also want a pastoral person who can sit and hold someone's hand in the hospital bed and be really gentle and encouraging. And they also need to hear from God really well and lead the way in all the evangelism that's going to go on. And they have to be really good at missions and have a heart for children and know what to do with the youth. It it's like, man, alive, guys. Jesus is in heaven. He's not available right now. Like, I've seen those things over and over, over the years, and I'm like, whoever goes into that role is going to be disappointing, because no one has all of those gifts. And and just, I felt that pressure in my life in ministry, and, and I think every pastor probably has, and just to say, you know, so much better to say, how does your particular leadership gift express itself? And then what does our church need right now? Or what does this ministry need right now or whatever? And so if you have a leadership gift, you, you might be a board member one day, you might be a pastor one day, you might never do those things, but you're going to lead uh, in a ministry or, or be supporting in leading a ministry or, or be a part of the worship team leading in worship or leading our kids or leading our youth. There's a lots of different ways that can show up. But if that's you, if there's something in you that's that way, I would just encourage you to start to think about, and how does my particular gift show up? Leadership is the gift. Flip the card over. How does your gift show up? I was talking to Nathan Albrecht, who's a pastor uh, at Lake Point here, just down the road, and so uh, I've known Nathan a long time. We were in Bible College together, and so he leads, he does a phenomenal job at Lake Point. He's a tremendous lead pastor, he does great work there, and we were talking about this because he knew we were doing this series, and I was saying, well, what kind of leader are you? Because I wouldn't say he's overly pastoral in the sense of sort of nurturing the sheep, he's probably a bit more apostolic, leading the charge, and he said, actually, I think my lead pastor gifting really is, uh, I'm an administrative leader. I'm just, I'm very well organized, and I pour a lot into organizing the structure of the church, and all of my energy goes into building these structures and systems, and when they're running well, the church moves forward, and, and it's true. It, it works for him. And so uh, a lot of times with these gifts, you know, our different gifts can kind of blend together. And so Nathan acknowledged, I have an administrative gifting, which we're gonna get to in a couple of weeks, and I have a leadership gifting, and that's how my particular gifting shows up. And so Nathan is not overly prophetic. He is not overly pastoral. He has a big heart for people, but he's understood. Here's my lane. Here's where my gifting is. And so then what he's done is he has hired other positions in his church to make up the rest of the gifts where he doesn't quite fit in the same way. And so to have respect for the fact that not every leader is going to look the same, not every teacher is going to look the same, not every pastor is going to look the same. Again, nobody has all the gifts, but all the gifts belong together, we read in our passage today, and can inspire one another. And so if you have a leadership gift, there's a decent chance, again, that that's just a bit more hardwired into who you are. It probably shows up in other ways, not just in your formal ministry position. Leaders often uh, either start businesses and lead their own businesses or end up certainly rising up to sort of manager-type positions there. Uh, they like being their own boss often, but maybe not always. Um, and so my wife Sarah has the leadership gift, and she has done some stuff here at the church. And at previous churches, she's been involved in helping lead kids' ministry or women's ministry or whatever. But Sarah also, you know, led, her, led Matt's soccer team this summer. Uh, Sarah's at school right now, going to school for paralegal. And whenever she's in a group, she doesn't look for a leadership position, but people just kind of start looking to her, and she kind of finds her way into that role. And so the gift just kind of shows up. It's not just something that leaders put on. It's, it's a bit about who you are. And so to have the ability to be able to walk in that gifting, however God has wired you, is really important. Last one, the mercy gifting. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Jesus says, be merciful as your Father is merciful. And so this, again, as with all these things, something we are all called to, no one is allowed to be unmerciful. If you are a follower of Jesus, we are all called to mercy. Jesus says, be merciful because that's how God has treated you. You were a sinner. You were rebellious. You fought against him. You were his enemy. God showed you mercy. And so because he has been merciful, we are to also be merciful. We are to be forgiving. We are not to hold grudges. We are to let things go. We are to be compassionate. And so there are people in our lives, even as we acknowledge that we are all called to do this, there are some people in this area who are just at a whole other level, right? There are people in our lives who are just really, really good at this. And so when we define the mercy gifting, we're saying demonstrating God's grace, patience, and compassion for others. And there's other words we could throw in there of empathy and love and, and whatever, but They are demonstrating grace and patience and compassion. Uh, Not everyone has this, naturally. And and some of us have this at such a level uh, because God has wired us this way. And again, I hope you have people in your life, or even as I'm talking, you're thinking about people, yeah, who does this really well? Who's just a shining example of patience or a shining example of grace or a shining example of compassion and empathy for other people? Um, People who have this gift often wind up in careers like nursing and social work and just different things where they can really care for people in a practical way and, and let that compassion out, let that empathy out, let that patience out. And so they can be really inspiring to the rest of us who don't have this gift because we can say, hey, I need to be a bit more patient like so-and-so, or I need to work on my compassion like so-and-so. And so so this is another one of those gifts where uh, if you have it, we need it. Like, we need you to demonstrate that. You are actually giving us a flavor of God's mercy for us when you are caring for people the way that you do. When you are showing that patience, you're reminding us of God's patience. When you're showing that compassion, you're reminding us of God's compassion. And so this gift shows up. Again, it might not be a front and center type gift, but as you're hanging out with the kids and just you know showing the kids that, that grace and patience, as you're showing the youth that grace and patience, you might not ever be in a spotlight, but you can show it in lots of different ways. Um, As we've said for all these people with the mercy gift, it seems to be a bit more of a lifestyle thing. It's not something you turn on. These people are just this way. Uh, It just shows off. As with some of the other gifts we've talked about today, they need to receive it as well. And so that's just something for us to remember. Whoever you can think of in your life, Uh, who just kind of shines with that mercy, that kindness, that patience, they need it as well from time to time. And so we can think of that and make sure that we're pouring back into them. But uh, I imagine most of us, even if we didn't have the language of a spiritual gift or mercy or whatever, we have all encountered, encountered believers who walk in this and been affected by that, right? And just gone, wow, that is a that's a gentle person, right? That's a person I can lean on when I'm in a rough spot. When I'm having a tough day, I know that person's going to listen and, and just show me kindness. I'm not going to get anger. I'm not going to get judgment. I just know I'm going to get a taste of mercy as I engage with that person. And so that gift is there for us as well. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. So the downside of this whole series is that I fire short bursts of information at you on lots of different things because we're trying to cover a lot of gifts. And so there's not a ton of time to go in-depth to each one, but we're just there to give you an overview. I encourage you to get a study guide. If you haven't got one yet, you can buy those at the Hub for $5. Every week they will help you go deeper into these gifts, and our life groups that are going through it also can help you go deeper. So we've been encouraging you to jump into one of those uh, just to take some time to be able to unpack that as we think about these gifts, the so-called motivational gifts, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. Again, do you see yourself there? And if so, where? And, and as you think about, oh, I see myself, I do see some of that mercy in me, or right? I see that generosity in me, or I see that servant heart in me. Then the next step is, so where does that show up then in your ministry? Where are you using it? What does that look like? And, and I don't think there's any formula or, or anything that we can give you to, to understand that because all the gifts can just show up in so many different ways. But to say, where am I here? Where do I see these gifts? And there's, a, there's just some things that are so important here. One of them is... Uh, again, Jesus had all the gifts, right? He had all of them. We are his body, so, so we don't have all of them as individuals, but the idea is as the body, all of the gifts will get covered because he has taken the gifts and he's portioned a few out here, a few out there, so everybody has one so that none of us can say, hey, I'm, I'm like Jesus, guys. I've got it all together. But we would walk in what he's given us and we would lean on others as well. But when we walk in these giftings, we look to Jesus. Jesus prophesied, right? He showed us what the Lord is saying and walked in step with God. Jesus served and washed feet. Jesus taught, of course. He encouraged people in their faith. He gave generously. He didn't have a lot. He wasn't wealthy. He shared what he had and gave his life, obviously. Uh, Jesus was a leader. Jesus was merciful and compassionate. Jesus walked in all of these. When we walk in these gifts, we are like Jesus in that moment. We get to prophesy as he prophesied. We get to give as he gave. We encourage as he encouraged. We teach as he taught. We are merciful as he is merciful. We get to be like him in those moments with whatever he has given us. And the other side of this is, as we consider these giftings, as we look at them all and are thinking about what we do with them, uh, we talk a lot about the mission of God, that God is on this mission to save the world, and we are all a part of it. And we talked last week about the evangelistic gift, and and just we know from experience, not just from the Bible, but just from real life, not everybody is an evangelist, in the sense of not everybody is particularly gifted. That's one of the gifts. And yet, we are all called by Scripture to be witnesses. We are all called to share. We are all called to point to Jesus. In these particular gifts, this is an amazing way for us to engage in the mission of God, Because I imagine there is a number of people here in this room who you came to Jesus and you wouldn't have maybe had this language behind it, but you came to Jesus at least in part because you encountered someone with a mercy gift who showed you kindness, who showed you grace, who showed you patience. Or you encountered someone with a teaching gift who explained the gospel to you clearly in a way that you could understand. Or you encountered someone with a serving gift, and when you were in need and far from God, some Christian was there to serve, and there was something about that that touched your heart, or when there was a struggle, a Christian was generous. And so these gifts can become the way that we engage with the mission of God. Not that I need to learn to be the best evangelist out there if that's not my gifting, but whatever gift he has given me, these are the ways that I can minister. These are the ways that I can reach out to the lost. If you have a prophetic gift, go start prophesying over people. If you have a serving gift, find a place to serve. Sarah had an amazing time this summer with her leadership gift, leading the soccer team for the son, for our son out in the community. And so there's all these ways that we can use these gifts to participate in the mission and, and be able to serve God in the way that he has wired us, pointing to Jesus in the way that he's wired us, using what he's given us to be a blessing to share the gospel. Because All of these gifts have come together to help us to glorify the name of Jesus, to help spread the gospel, and to bless our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we need them all. So wherever you are on that list, flip the card. What's that going to look like then? Start to think about that. Not just, I have an encouragement gift. Flip. How am I using the encouragement gift? Not just, I have a leadership gift. Flip the card. Where am I using that leadership gift? And however you are wired, understanding God wants to use you to be a blessing to others through that gift that he has given you and how he's wired you. We're going to spend some time in worship before we close in prayer, so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. The words will be up on the screen. We encourage you to come sing along.
1: When you think about uh, spiritual gifts as we've been going through this series, when you reflect on the gifts that God has given us, they're sacrificial. Uh, they're parts of us that we got to give up in order to bring the kingdom forward. Uh, we need to sacrifice who we are our own agendas and what we may have so God can work in and through us and the greatest sacrifice that's been given to us is Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection as you look at that and you look at the gifts and the body of Christ it's amazing that Jesus has given us his mission to build his church and it's an honor to be on this journey together uh, as we build his kingdom as we work together in the trenches of life and it's never easy Uh, But what's great about it is that we're in this together. We're all wired differently, and we can help each other on and spur each other on uh, to build his kingdom. So as you think about this week, as you think about how God has wired you to be, engage in your gifts, help where you can, and you will see God's glory shining in through you. And you may not see the results of you serving, but what's great about God's kingdom is that he's getting the glory, and one day you'll be able to see what you've done. And that's the beautiful thing. So as you build God's kingdom this week and the things that come ahead of you, dive right in, trust the Holy Spirit, and be bold in it. And as we wrap up today as well, we also offer prayer. And that's a great way to find out how God's wired you to be, to pray through some of the things you might be going through. If you need some encouragement or some help or even somebody to come alongside you this morning to show you some mercy, we encourage you to come forward. There'll be people up front that can pray with you, that can encourage you, that can walk through just a journey with you. So we encourage you to come forward. And when that's happening again, just a gentle reminder, as people come forward to receive prayer, we ask you to visit and connect with each other just in the foyer, down the hallway, into the cafe, so we can create a place of ministry up here up front. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gifts you've given us. Thank you for the sacrifice you've made for us. And for those this morning that are still trying to wrap their heads around what that even means for them, I pray, Holy Spirit, you show them how much you love them, show them the sacrifice you made for them, that dying on the cross was for them, and that you love each one of us. And I pray, Lord, that would be real in people's hearts today, for those who've come today that are in that journey holy spirit again reveal yourself thank you for this church thank you for how you've given us gifts and abilities and i pray lord this week help us to engage in those gifts help us to use them mightily and to be bold in those gifts as well to build your kingdom thank you for each one Uh, whatever's ahead lord jesus uh, you you know it you see it and i pray lord that you just give us the insight we need and the wisdom as well thank you for each person here today our families our friends And all the things that are coming up ahead, the challenges and the celebrations, we leave those all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, Meadowbrook.